hello and welcome to Don't Tell Baba, the pod. Um, Baba means father, and we are joking about how much goes on in a teenage Arab girl's life that doesn't get told to her dad. Yeah. Were you told don't tell Baba a lot, or did you tell that to people a lot? I think it was my mom being like, I'm going to tell Baba, and then me being like, no, don't tell Baba. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I feel like I've never had to say that because I'm not scared of my dad. <laughs> <laughs> my dad was terrifying growing up. Your dad has never scared me. You know what? To be fair to my dad, we are now pretty close, mm -hmm. and he's not scary now. Mm -hmm. But growing up, he was like a force to be reckoned with. And we only saw him for like a couple hours a day tops. Yeah. So so it's not like we had a full understanding of who he was as a person. All we knew was that he was the guy who was there for a couple of hours a day. And in those hours, you know, one of his duties was to yell at us about whatever my mother kind of pushed over to him to yell at us about. Mm. Yeah, I mean, all right, I believe it. He was never very scary to me, but also I yeah. also barely saw him, to be fair. Right. He also never told you that you wouldn't be an astronaut because your math sucked in grade three. So, Yeah, your dad's really he's just <laughs> logical and straightforward. So yeah, it's good and bad, but I was never scared of my father. So, Well, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's good, really right? My dad and I have a good relationship, yeah. You do, you do. Um, mine and I do now. It was not... My dog is barking. Yeah, he's mad. So, we left the Middle East in 2010, just so everybody knows. Yes, things have changed in our absence. Yes. Um, and we do still have contact with many people who still live in the Middle East who are having very different experiences now than we did growing up. Um, but that also leads into the fact that many of those people had different experiences than we did even while we were there. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, so the, today's episode actually is about growing up in the United Arab Emirates, but also we left in 2010. That's right. So there, this is like nine years ago information at best. Yeah, but still it impacted who, you know, the people we are. So and yeah. the Google-generated FAQs don't make it sound like too much has changed in terms of public awareness. So give us FAQs. Let's talk about these FAQs. All right. So yesterday we Googled, is Abu Dhabi? And we got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven top searches or top searched questions out of that. The first one is, is Abu Dhabi safe? I want to say yeah, for the most part. So was Abu Dhabi safe or were we um were people keeping an eye on us 24/7? A little bit of column A, a mm. little bit of column B. I do mm. have specific examples, but in terms of what I think the question asks, and this may be my own bias, mm -hmm. but when I see is Abu Dhabi safe on Google, I'm not thinking that people are thinking about, you know, crime. Mm -hmm. I think they're thinking about bombing. And war. I see. So in that case, yes, because Abu Dhabi is like a neutral zone from what I understand. Completely. The UAE is a neutral zone. They don't, warfare doesn't happen on that land. 
That's right. It hasn't. It hasn't so far, and inshallah, it never will. Um, so, in terms of like politically, is it safe? Yes, as long as you don't feel a pressing need to state your opinion. Mm. Um, is it? Is it safe from? I mean, is crime low? Yes, incredibly. Crime is very low. Um, that said, though, crimes that are committed are often censored, especially if those crimes are committed by local people. Um, yeah. So, um, you know what? We Okay, maybe trigger warning. We might mention assault of various kinds in this episode. Yeah. So if that makes you uncomfortable, please feel free to click out. No, we will not judge you for it. Do whatever makes you happiest and safest. So Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess to follow, is Abu Dhabi safe? I mean, I've been followed home on multiple occasions. I've been like to the point where I've been followed home when I was in my mom's car by another car. I've been stopped on the side of the road while in my really disgusting school uniform um, and proposed to. Um, I don't think that I was actually being proposed to. I think that I was being lured into a Rolls Royce that I had no interest entering. Was this the time you were proposed to um, by that guy who left his number for you in like uh, amongst the watermelons at the co-op? Oh, no, that was another guy entirely. There you go. There's so many <laughs> stories. Here, so here's the thing. It's safe if you're a local man. If you're a woman, mm-hmm. you need to watch yourself, or that was the yes. case when we were there. Um, if yes. you're a non-local man, you also need to make sure that you don't get caught doing, honestly, like really silly crimes, they will bust a non-local for. Uh, okay. Um, I know somebody. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say any names. Yeah. I'm not even going to say their uh, connection to me because I don't have their consent to do so. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But somebody I know was in a car with their partner. Um, Mm -hmm. They are of different races and different religions. And they were stopped by police to ask where the female in the car was going, uh, despite them living together at the time and being married now. Mm -hmm. It was illegal for them actually to share an apartment being of two different religions. And so a lie had to be told whereby the woman was being dropped off to a completely non-existent location. Oh my God. Are you comfortable sharing the ethnicities of these people? Uh, Yes. One is a uh, Middle Eastern man. When I say Middle Eastern, I mean Palestinian, Lebanese, Syrian, kind of fertile crescent Middle East. Mm -hmm. And we'll differentiate between all of those things soonish, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and the woman is Hungarian. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's it. It it be like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be entirely fair, to be entirely fair, and I'm conflicted saying this. Mm-hmm. But if you don't like the rules of a country, don't live there. Yeah. Which we don't because we don't. Yeah. However, at the time, a lot of people didn't have the choice, which is why we were all there. Which is a very, very, very important distinction to make. Yeah, because our countries were being ravaged by war. So we had to hightail it out of there. And North America was unaffordable and not the land of opportunity that our parents had thought it was when they immigrated. Yep, also that. 
So is Abu Dhabi safe? I want to say yes and no. And it's probably unsafe in the way Los Angeles is unsafe, you know? Yeah. I think Abu Dhabi thinks or advertises itself as being exceptionally safe, but a lot is censored. So who knows what the crime rate is really? It's exceptionally gated and it's exceptionally supervised. Yeah, so but that doesn't mean true. crime doesn't happen. No, it doesn't. But in terms of when you walk out of the airport and into the world, do you feel safe there? Yeah, I, I think that you would. Yeah, to be fair, also, I never walked out alone, so I can't comment <laughs> on that. Amen. Yeah, that's true. So, wow. Um, oh crime has begun early in LA this morning. Right? Uh, like we said, it's as unsafe as, as Los Angeles probably is. Honestly, it's probably a cop just trying to like get through the morning traffic. Um, that, okay, that should not be allowed. And yet, here we are. You know what? Maybe he's actually trying to get to a crime scene, and I would like to give him the benefit of the doubt because I woke up in a generous mood. Okay, fine. We'll give, we'll give this one cop this, but... <laughs> I swear to God, if he's like problematic, it immediately gets canceled. So 100% immediately. No questions asked. Yeah. So what is the next question? What's the next FAQ? This one I actually really like. Is Abu Dhabi in Dubai? Hmm. No. <laughs> no, that's yeah. The the short answer is no. <laughs> so um, Abu yeah, go, 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 go. No, I mean, it's just we need to talk about the peninsular Middle East. And what that consists of. Um, it's just a part of the Middle East that juts out over the Gulf, essentially, over the ocean, the Persian Gulf. So for the United Arab Emirates, it is comprised of seven cities that make up one country. You have Do you remember them? So there's Abu Dhabi, Dubai, um, Fujairah, Rasa Khema. Um, Shar is Sharjah one of them? Yes. We're missing one. Did we say Dubai? Oman. Oh, wait, is Oman part of the UAE? That's another country. I have no idea, actually, it's another country. See, they, like, made us learn these things. Um, oh, Bahrain? No, no, another country as well. Um, I, I can't believe I'm forgetting one because they made us memorize this, and then I gave so few shits that it was hard to retain the precise information. Okay, so what we're thinking of is Umm al-Quwain. Umm al-Quwain, thank you. Nobody mm -hmm. ever remembers Umm al-Quwain. I mean, I don't know who lives there, frankly. I don't even know if people used to visit there because they used to visit the other emirates. Um, I also found like a nice map of um, kind of the peninsula that you're talking about. And I think that we could probably put that on our um, Instagram. Yeah, I mean... So yeah, just know that the peninsular Middle East kind of is just like a little bit separated. We do border Saudi Arabia. And Oman. And Oman. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Abu Dhabi is not Dubai. Dubai has just made its made its way into popular culture, I think. I wonder how that happened. They just dumped a bunch of money into making the city as flashy and inaccessible as possible. I thought it was sex in the city. No, it's no mm. sex in the city. Don't be hot on. <laughs> We're already banned in the UAE. Uh, and now I'm suggesting that sex occurs there. I'm, yeah. I'll leave it for stop. that episode. 
Okay. <laughs> another one. Give us another one. Is Abu Dhabi a country? No. <laughs> it's a city. It's a city, everyone. Is Abu Dhabi expensive? Can I be honest? Yeah, of course. I don't know because I wasn't making my own money when I lived there and had no sense of cost. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I did have an allowance and I okay. did save money. Hmm. And I did once in a very brief while treat myself to something like a PSP, for example. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I bought my PSP way back when in grade like 10 or 11, mm-hmm. I think, um, it was more expensive here than it would have been in North America. But I'm not sure if we were counting taxes. Mm, yeah, because we don't get taxed. No, and I'm not sure if that's the case still. I think there there is a tax that is now applied. Like a sales but, tax? Yeah. Wow, Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the last time I was in the Emirates is more recent than the last time you were in the Emirates. And mm-hmm. that was five years ago. Mm-hmm. I think it was five or six years ago for Mike and I's engagement party. Oh, right. Um, is it expensive? You make a lot of money while you're there. You spend a lot of money while you're there. I think that a lot of expats go there expecting to kind of save an obnoxious amount of money. And I don't know if that's possible anymore, although at one point it was. You know, you have like apartments in Dubai that are up there for like 3 million dirhams. Yes. Yes, Mm. you do. Um, But we have condos up here that are worth $3 million. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know if Abu Dhabi is like more expensive than Los Angeles. Maybe it's like San Francisco-esque because the Bay Area is a little more expensive than down south. Yeah, it's expensive there. It's expensive. I mean, I will say that I also got an allowance and like 100 dirhams would probably last you one afternoon at the mall if you wanted to eat and buy yourself something. Yes. Um, 100 dirhams for our listeners. Shushu, could you convert that to US and I'll convert it to Canadian? Sure. Let's see. And the word we're saying is dirhams. Um, the like how you write it is D I R H A M S, and it's D H S when you kind of type it into Google, and that is the currency that is used in the United Arab Emirates. It's mm-hmm. dirhams. Mm-hmm. So a hundred dirhams is twenty seven point two two dollars, thirty five point seven four Canadian dollars. So I've I will say though that has changed dramatically i'm sure oh absolutely it used to be um significant it used to be a significantly more affordable currency i think yeah. that it has risen like i i was not paying 27 dollars for a full afternoon at the mall come on no food, food no, alone like our meals alone and like our drinks at the cafe were probably 27 dollars together at least that's true that's very true so that's not accurate but that is what it is now it is. Do we have other questions? Uh, yes, but actually our next one is truly fabulous because it's about our alma mater. Yes. Oh, my God. We hate it so much. Okay, go. Yes. Um, so before we continue, I'm going to spell the name of our school. Mm-hmm. It is called Shuaifat. O-U-E-I-F-A-T, and I had to learn to spell that in the first grade. I had to learn to sp- – I struggled with that, too, when I got there in yeah. seventh grade. Yeah, yeah, because it's a weird, weird spelling. It's much easier in Arabic. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. Question one is Shweifat hard? Hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, w- I would say it is, is hard from, for, as a scientist, um, I definitely was being taught using textbooks that you use as a freshman in university. Um, so that was my experience. It's hard in some ways and not hard in others. I will say the math and science was very rigorous because we were mm-hmm. um, miles ahead of like what the common curricula are. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But for English and history and social studies and stuff like that, we were probably like 50,000 steps below. Yeah. Um, so for is Shui Fat hard? My answer is a little a little different from yours because mm. we split off at one point. Yeah, we did split um, off. So the school system was weird. I'm not sure about how it works in LA or other parts of the state, but he, the states. Mm. <laughs> but here in Ontario specifically, because each province kind of has its own system. Yeah. In Ontario, we are divided into the academic stream and the applied stream, where the academic stream is kind of university pathway planning, and the applied stream is college pathway planning or trades pathway planning. Mm -hmm. The difference between the two pathways is that, honestly, academic prepares you for university education, regardless which course you choose, and applied uh, prepares you to actually do things. So less reading, less writing, more hands-on work, more projects, more group projects. Um, I prefer to teach applied personally because academic feels stuffy. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we had in the in Shoifat. In Shoifat, we had S and L, where S was sciences and L was literature. Or, as I was told so very often, L for loser. Yeah, I, I did hear that, which is bullshit. Right. So I went to the L class uh, with other perceived losers, and we weren't in there out of... No, I was. I should say the majority of students in the L class weren't in there out of a love for the humanities. They were in there because that's where you went when you failed your S classes. Can you imagine, though, like punishing students by restricting them from classes like literally actively thinking that you're punishing them by Mm -hmm. by preparing them less for the real world it wasn't so much that i think the reasoning was and this is very defunct very old-fashioned reasoning and i don't even think it's the same there now although i don't know um but very, very defunct. They were like, okay, you're not capable, so don't. I mean, but that's you know? that's, that's equally terrible, you know? Yes. Yes. 100% equally terrible. Now, the difference is that I didn't fail out of S, although there would have been nothing wrong with me failing out of S if I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't fail out of S, but I was so unhappy because I knew that I wanted to be a lawyer at mm-hmm. the time. But either way, I knew that I wanted to go to undergrad for literature or media. Yeah. I I knew for a fact, I knew from the third grade onwards that I didn't want to do anything that was related to math. I didn't Mm want to be a scientist. I didn't want it. I didn't want to be involved. I just wanted to read books. So I got history classes, business classes, and economics classes that Mm -hmm. you guys didn't get, right? Yeah. 
Uh, I, I think we were allowed to take economics or business, but you had to like actively sign up. Okay. Meanwhile, they were just given to me. And if I wanted to take anything else, I had to actively sign up. Yeah. Which fuck that noise. Mm -hmm. Um, I did get history as well. So Mm -hmm. business, economics, history, and then we had the same English class. I still had to take math all through high school. Mm -hmm. And even the math that I was taking in grade 12 as an L student, I saw in my engineering friends' first year textbooks. Yeah, I know. They they don't hold back. Um, I do want to say, just so that everybody knows, I had to run across the hall to get to English class because I was with L students. Yes. Right? And yes. I then I had to run back to get to physics, but I was always late because they were far from each other and I would get yelled at mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. three times a week. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was... Uh... It was a really, really weird system. But what I was hoping for was that being an L would teach me, you know, how to write an essay. And frankly, (laughs) it didn't. Yeah. So as we mentioned in the first episode, we didn't know shit. So no. Yeah. So is it hard? Yes, it was hard not to have options. Yes, it was hard to be divided into a type of person, either a science person or an idiot. Mm. Um. Is how it was laid out to me. And since I wasn't a science person, I was very convinced that I was, you know, dumb. Um, oh, my God. Right. But my my parents also had some connections with people at the school, which I think is a conversation for another time. Um, so someone from the school came over to our house and I was called down to the formal living room, which. Oh, God, oof, that's tough. Right. That's rough. I know. So I'm called down from my bedroom. I go into the formal living room and this guy um, is sitting there who is a family friend, but also a school administrator. And he like leans forward and is pleading with me, please, please don't go to L. Don't do this to yourself. You're going to be surrounded by idiots. Oh, my God. I know the administrator you're talking about and I want to beat yeah. him up. Is he still there? Or did he retire? It's, it's not him. It's not him. It's not him. It's somebody who passed and he was an absolutely oh, wait, wonderful wait, wait, man. Wait. I know who you're talking about now. Yeah. It's yeah. No, may he yeah. rest in peace. Yeah. No, like he passed. Yeah. 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 No, he, he was a wonderful man. Yeah. But still doing um, that in the formal living room, no less. I know, right? I I will never forget this because I lost my shit. At the time, I was like, I know my argument. I have my points. I've made my points. And you're not hearing me. You're not listening to me. And you're not responding to what I've said to you. All you're doing is repeating your argument, which I have heard. Yeah, Nur, but that's the Arab elder way. And we're going to talk about that in our episode about elders in the Middle East. Yeah, and rebellion, because me going into the L class was perceived as a sign of rebellion. That was when people started kind of looking at my parents and being like, oh, she's going to give you trouble. Oh, no one my said that God. before that. Which is funny. No one said that before. <laughs> right. Because I was already trouble. You were already rebelling, which is funny because, like, I knew you really well. Um I know that you had already rebelled, but I love how educationally they were like, ooh, you're in danger now. Like, okay. Exactly. You just wanted of- to you just wanted to study literature. What is their problem? Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, but like there are three career options for a Middle Eastern person and four for a Middle Eastern woman. Mm. They are doctor, lawyer, engineer, and if you're a woman, wife. 
Oh my God, it's so true. For everybody listening, I'm a scientist. I have two degrees in biomedical engineering though. So just so you all know, I I played the perfect Arab child card. You are a doctor and an engineer. You're a dream. Yeah. and But like at what cost, you know, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. I mean, mental health, identity, and sense of self. Yeah, I know. But like, what are those things really? What I are mean, those nothing things really? Nothing in comparison to a doctor engineer. That's true. Well, so, so that everybody's <laughs> clear, I don't actually have an MD. I have a master's degree, but I know a lot about medicine and disease. So, yes, um, yes, you are my go-to for any science information that I need. Yeah. So, um, you know what, Shuifat was hard, and I also want to talk about this in like an emotional way. Emotionally, it's tough on people. Yeah. Anyone can do well on an exam. I actually fully believe that. Um, but in dealing I with, I I think okay. I think anybody can be like a scientist. You just need good teachers who care about you. <laughs> yes, but that's actually not my criticism. My criticism is the um, the tests. I don't think okay. everybody does well on tests. Some people, some people are bad testers and they get a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. But I, mm-hmm. okay, so maybe I should just make this clear now. I don't believe in testing or homework of any kind. Uh, I think hands-on projects are a better way yes. to assess someone's um, mastery of something. Absolutely. So I'm just gonna say right up. So speaking of high school, we took, I think, I think I counted the other day because I was thinking about it, seven Mm. exams a week, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, No, it was more than seven because there were the five AMSs and then the five homework exams that came with them. Oh my God, the homework exams. I told, the homework exams were a newer thing though, right? They, they put them in a little later. So I guess that means we had double that. So 12. Yeah, something like that. Eleven or twelve, ten and twelve. Yeah, Mm -hmm. ten and Mm twelve exams a week. So it was hard because you had to constantly be studying, like you were studying for a test. And studying normally and studying for a test are two different things. One requires a lot more effort. So, so yeah, it it, what I would say it's hard. And honestly, it had the reputation for being hard, and they fucking loved that. That was their reputation. Yeah, they milked it really hard. Yeah, they were just like, yes, we are difficult. And we're and the rest of us were like, um, we're dying. So maybe think about that. Here's the thing. I I was never dying um, because, and I will be very frank on this podcast, despite being a teacher, I never struggled because I never studied. Yeah, so you are, you're smarter than me. So I did have to study a lot. <laughs> That's very unfair uh, to you. That's very unfair. Um, I think what it is is that I tend to pick up information pretty quickly. So, like, I would attend the classes, I would hear what I fucking heard, and then that's it. That was my information. I was done. Like, to send me home with the exact same information presented in the exact same way, because basically they were reading out of the textbook. So I already heard what's in the textbook. I don't fucking know why you want me to turn around and look at the exact same textbook again, because I heard you the first fucking time and repetition pisses me off. 
Yeah. You know, for me, it was more like the way they presented it in class. I was like, I have no idea what you're trying to say. So I would go teach myself from the textbook. That's how I made it through high school. I think that's why I had to study so much. I got you. I got you. Um, Yeah. No, I, I didn't study. I wasn't... I wasn't an outstanding student, but I was the kind of student where they looked at me and they were like, you're not doing anything. You're not putting in any kind of an effort and you're doing well. So put in an effort and do great. And I was like, why the fuck would I do that? This is boring. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, yeah I guess I guess it's a mixed answer. It's it's hard in some ways, not hard in other ways. Certainly harder than I think a school that you would be at in North America if we're going to draw oh, comparison. 100%. 100%. And and you're a teacher, so I feel comfortable saying that. 100%. North America is behind on maths and in the sciences. But the way that governments are trying to bring math in by devaluing the humanities is not the fucking way. And I can tell you that firsthand. Oh, my God. Okay, what are our other questions? Um, Is Shoifat a good school? No. Next question. Yes. um, Opposition. (laughs) Um, It was. When it was started in Lebanon... In Beirut, or I guess in Shwaifat, Lebanon. Mm -hmm. It was a good school. Uh, My father and uncle both attended it in Lebanon as young people. Mm -hmm. And it was a private school then, and they didn't have the money to pay for it. Mm -hmm. But they were both brilliant, brilliant, brilliant men. Um, Their father had passed, And they were living as refugees in Lebanon. So they had no citizenship rights, uh, no citizenship whatsoever. My father was actually born in Akka prior to 48. So he had to leave Palestine at the age of three. His father passed three years later. And both my uncle and my father attended Shwaifat by being janitors during the summer months and after school to kind of pay their way into this school. So it was a good enough school for my father and uncle to put that much of an effort into attending it. Yeah, certainly in its prime, it was Mm -hmm. a good school. But during the years we attended it, I was not very impressed. And I don't know if it was because of the time period when we attended it or the leadership when we attended it? I think it's probably the leadership and in general, the Sabbath system that the school followed is messed up. Right, because we had the Sabbath system, which is actually the next question. Um, What is uh, the Shwaifat curriculum? We follow something called Sabbath, and I don't know if it stands for anything. Yeah, it does. Uh, Saeed and Bastani, the two men who uh, kind of began the school. Founded it. Seriously? Yeah. Is it Saeed or Saad? Someone's going to yell at me for this. I have no idea. I have no idea because um, I I Googled it and I got an eyebrow threading place in Long Beach. And I also got (laughs) an acronym for semi-automatic bibliographic information system. And I'm pretty sure that's not what it stood for. (laughs) No, it's not. Uh, I don't remember if it's Bistani or Bustani, but I will look it up right now. Yeah, I don't know. I just want to tell you that I'm on the Sabbath website, and it says mm-hmm. that 
they seek to make a university education accessible to almost all students, not just a select few. Yeah, but that's true. It's true. So let me say that. Okay, but can I tell you what their core values are? Oh my God. Do I want to know? Practicing honesty and integrity. Okay. <sniffs> Upholding our principles at all costs and at all times. Yeah, but what are they? They um, scare us. Continually improving and never becoming complacent. Okay. I hope that's true. I hope that's true. I hope it's different. Emphasizing quality at all times. Debatable. Making Very. a difference. Um, I guess you my, made a difference. All right. I guess yeah. I, I guess they made a difference because I don't know if I would have gone to therapy otherwise. So <laughs> recognizing and rewarding efficiency, loyalty, and commitment. And that's completely untrue because we were never record, rewarded for our um, achievements. Neither was the staff. Neither was the staff. God help the staff. Um, there were so many. They all left. They all left. There were so many teachers I loved and respected, particularly our outstanding English teacher from grade 10 through 12. Um, Bless her soul. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Shwaifat. The Shwaifat curriculum. Okay. So we had Sabbath, which was kind of a series of things that you had to do in order to meet those curriculum expectations. And that was basically just classes and passing those classes. Then we had the SATs. You scored really well on the SATs, didn't you? I scored okay. I actually didn't really study for it, if I'm going to be honest. I don't believe in standardized testing. Neither do I. Neither did I. It's a capitalist scam. It is. Then we also had SATs. Um, then we also had the option for APs, which you and I both did. And then we had the option for O-levels, which I did. And I don't remember if you did. I did O-levels. Yeah. I did too. I did O um, and Did you A do levels. any O-levels? Okay. So I didn't do A-levels because I think at that point I'd Oh, no, because I knew that the universities I was applying to accepted APs in lieu of A-levels. So I skipped the A-levels, did the APs, but did the O-levels and the SAT and the Sabbath system and the United Arab Emirates Ministry Arabic and Religion Requirements. Yeah, I mean, we all had to do those religion and Arabic requirements. Luckily, I got to do the English version. Um, Me too. Yeah, I think we took it the same day and the ministry people were marching around and kind of like low-key giving us the answers. Because if you failed that, you didn't get to graduate. Right, but they also kind of just looked at both of us and assumed we were white because we were in the white class. Because the only way that you could get that exemption was to have a passport um, that was non-Arab. Yeah, so basically what happened to us was that we had non-Arab passports and... We were just like doing our doing our own thing, taking our English version of the religion test. If you didn't get over 70%, they wouldn't let you graduate. Yeah. Which yeah, I that I was actually that was the one thing that I was actually stressed about because I, you know, I never had a doubt in my mind that I wouldn't that I wouldn't graduate like that I would. I knew I was graduating, but then when this requirement came out, I was like, "Oh fuck, I have to repeat grade 12." Shit. Well, yeah, because, I didn't because I mean, honestly, and the exam was nuts. Like, why would anyone know that much about religion? <laughs> I mean, people of faith maybe knew that much, but neither of us are very. Um... 
I mean, I would say we're spiritual. Yeah, I'll take that. I will give myself that uh, moniker happily. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so SAP is basically, it's just an exam-based system. That's how they assess everything. That's all you need to know about it. Yeah. um, And you're only taught as much as you need to cover on the exam because that's only how much, that's how much time you have. So my issue, and I keep saying that I didn't like math and science. My issue isn't math and science. I'm actually um, fairly proficient in both math and science. I've covered math classes and I've covered science classes, and I've been able to explain things to a very satisfactory degree, I believe. What I I didn't like was how it was. Yeah, what I didn't like was how it was explained. So when we first sat down in a chemistry class, I remember how mind-blowingly excited I was that the sciences were being split, that I would get to study physics and chemistry and algebra and geometry instead of just science or just math. I was excited. I wanted this so badly. I I wanted to mix things in beakers and I wanted to drop things and I wanted to throw things at walls and measure kind of the speed by which they got there. I wanted to build things. But I didn't get to do that. that. That's not what our science classes were. We just sat there and someone was writing on a board. And if you had a lab, you had to stay late after school until 6 p.m. Because they just didn't see the benefit of having practical, hands-on experience during school hours. Right. Exactly. And like, here's the thing. You can tell me that this is where oxygen is on the periodic table. And you can tell me that this is what it looks like drawn out. But I don't give a shit about what oxygen looks like drawn out or where it is on the periodic table, if you can't explain to me how it reacts to the other chemicals in my own system when I inhale it. Yeah, it was a little bit of a mess. So really the answer to that question is, Sabbath is a shitty system and that's all you need to know about it. We didn't like it. Maybe it's changed. We don't know. I have no idea. What else do they have? What other questions? That's actually it for our Google FAQ. Um, There were a couple more things that we wanted to talk about, though. Yes. So um, let's see. I'll guide us through it. Please do. All right. Were we born in the UAE? I was not. Mm. I was born in Toronto. I was born in Abu Dhabi, actually. Um, But as like a little, like tiny little baby, was whisked away immediately to South Carolina, where I lived for four years so that I could get a passport. So why don't we, what is important, do you think, about getting a passport when you're young? <laughs> it's almost like we okay, have nowhere so, to go, so we have to choose as little fetuses where we'll end up. Exactly. So actually, um, I, I'm going to tell this story as quickly as I possibly can. I hope that it's as interesting as I think it is. Mm-hmm. My parents could not conceive for the first 17 years of their marriage. Mm -hmm. The reason that my family immigrated to Canada was partly because, obviously, you need a passport. Otherwise, you are a person with no land. You are literally a refugee for the rest of your life, um, which super not ideal. Um, But my parents immigrated to Canada for the purpose of seeking fertility treatment. That makes um, sense. Yeah. And they seeked, seeked, seeked. Sought. That sounds wrong. Sought. Jesus. Thank <laughs> you so much. Um, and they sought that treatment from 88 to 93 when I was born. 
My parents were sworn in as Canadian citizens well before I came out of the womb. Mm -hmm. So I was born Canadian and then at the age of 40 days old was whisked to Abu Dhabi. Yeah, it it tends to be like that. You know, you get your passport, Mm -hmm. you're whisked back because we're not really... No, no, there isn't much opportunity for Arab people, or there wasn't at the time in North America. No, because, and honestly, there still isn't, because my father was a licensed engineer in the Middle East and not a licensed engineer here. Um, Yeah, and my dad was an entrepreneur in um, Abu Dhabi. Um, My father was a professional. My father was an important member of the community. And here, my dad was an immigrant trying to make it, and my mom attended adult day school. Yeah. Um, uh, very, very different lives, very different experiences. And I think as I grow older, I'm beginning to understand the decision that my parents made to go back to um, the UAE. And it has granted me a lot of privilege. Like, for example, the ability to save up enough money to put a down payment on a condo. Um, that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, for me, I don't know what it was. My, I think my family wanted to stay in the States, um, but mm-hmm. it also would have meant that I would have grown up in South Carolina. I'm like, ew, I don't want to be in a red state. <laughs> but, um, but my dad couldn't find work. Oh, man. So he found work in in the UAE. So we went back. They had, they had met there, my parents, you know? That's really cute. Yeah. So it's uh, granted... It's not like people are really meeting in Iraq anymore. That's a very good point. Um, No, my parents met in... We should actually talk about how our parents met one day. Um, I'm going to have to get that story from my mom. I think it's just a friend group thing, honestly. That's pretty cute. My mom tells... Actually, I might see if my mom wants to be a guest to tell the story herself. Oh my God, I want your mom to be on. Do you think she will? Yeah. Let's hope so. All right. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But no, it's, uh, again, very different from how people meet nowadays in many circumstances. Just fascinating. Fascinating. Oh, yeah. Um, Okay. So we wanted to talk about the climate and we don't mean the political climate. We just want to talk about the fact that it was was, like hot as hell all the time. It was so freaking hot. It was approximately 55 degrees Celsius for six months out of the year. Yeah, I think a good day was probably high 30s. In quote-unquote winter, it would be 25 to 27. Yes. Which is still warm. Right. And 25 to 27 now is when I'm like in the lake. Yeah, no, I'm like dressed for summer at that. But, you know, God knows in the Middle East, I was wearing a little cardigan. I was like, this is cold. Yes, absolutely. But here's my favorite thing about winter in Abu Dhabi, because we do have to remember that Syria, Lebanon, um, they actually got cold. They actually had winters. They like it snows in parts of the Middle East, Mm -hmm. Um, not in the Emirates, um, but all of the like, you know, Middle Eastern expats would have their beautiful furs and their leather boots and their gloves and you knew that all of those items came out of the closet at 25 degrees. Yeah, they 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 like went hard. Like we didn't have it was like objectively not hot at all. At so, all. But they they just love to show things off because you know, um a lot of these people go vacation in Europe, like not 
I, I my family couldn't afford that, but people would be vacationing hard in Europe all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would come uh, back with all of these like wild items, and they would just yeah. like deck themselves out. And every time yep. I'd be like, "Okay, girl, it's not that cold." <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's true. We we love appearances. We just love appearances. I still do. That's something I can't shake. It's, I can't it's shake very it either. Ingrained. You, yeah, you know, like I, I, I still like make sure that I look a certain way before I leave the house all the time. That's it's that's that's what's followed me. That's what's managed to stay. Yep. Um, but actually, thanks to the University of Toronto's um, very lazy dressing, I am now comfortable in athleisure with no makeup. Um, not thrilled with myself, but I can leave the house. I can leave the house with no makeup, but I don't own any athleisure. See, I strongly recommend a nice pair of sweatpants. You know, everybody is, everyone like loses their mind. Um, and my friend Chris insists that he's going to buy me sweatpants for my birthday. And I'm like, but, oh my God, Chris, please. I'm like, but why? Because he was like, what do you wear at home? And I was like, I don't know, home dresses. And he's just like, <laughs> he just wasn't, you can imagine his face. He's like the fact that he's still friends with me is like a great mystery because I test oh him. God. Like I lit it's like the Lord doesn't test Chris. I do. It's true. I've seen this. I've seen this yeah. at play. It's yeah. beautiful. Um, but hey, Chris, if uh if you want to get Chushu a pair of sweatpants, I will uh, I'll split with you. Oh my god, I'll I go hate, in. I hate you both. So um also so it was very hot. What were the options we had for schools? Because there were quite a lot of schools in Abu Dhabi, even when we were there. There, And I think there are more now. There are more now. Um, I remember when I was in grade six and I was telling my mom, okay, so I started Chwaifat in grade one. I attended kindergarten at a different school. Many of our friends started at Chwaifat in kindergarten. What would happen is that you would move through kind of different uh, sections of the campus, depending on what grade you were in. So kindergarten to grade two was in one section of the campus. Grade three to grade seven, no, grade three to six was in another section called the cage. Do you remember the cage? Yeah, it was way back, way back, right? Yes. And then grade seven to grade 12, you had access to everything else, like to the rest of the campus. Yeah. So I started there in grade one. I didn't have many other options for schools except for Chobairat and American Community School and Canadian Grammar School and American International School, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, American International School and the Canadian Grammar School both had a pretty poor academic reputation as well as a fairly poor behavioral reputation. Yeah, I just want to say my little sisters went to American International School and the stories they can tell you are absolutely bananas. They were... In fact, we might have them on as guests to tell us those banana stories. Because it is actually bananas, the kind of behavioral shit. I'm not even just talking Mm -hmm. about the students. I'm talking about the teachers and administrators that went on at that school. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I believe it. They did not have a very good reputation. Um, At the time... I don't know if things have changed. It is possible. <laughs> How many times have I said that? Um, we say it a lot. I think we're just praying at this point. It's true. It's true. Um, okay, so 
I wanted to go to Khubairat, which was a British school with an outstanding reputation, or ACS, which was an American school with an outstanding academic reputation and a questionable behavioral reputation. Yeah, people were crazy. But yeah, so we we didn't have a lot of options for schools. I personally went to kindergarten one place. I went to primary school at my British my British school that I mentioned in the first episode. And then in seventh grade, I ended up at Shweifat. Um, and my parents put me there because it just had an exceptional reputation for um, education. Shweifat was pretty good at keeping its reputation up at the time. I know it dipped after we left. Shweifat had a really, really, really excellent university acceptance rate. Yeah, in that not going to university was not an option for us. No, what is that? What else can you do? I thought that you just, you go to university, and then if you can't get a job, you go to university again. And then if you can't get a job, you go again. And you just, you keep collecting meaningless paperwork that costs many thousands of dollars um, until something sticks. Until you die. Or until, and here's what I thought would happen, until somebody comes to your university, gets to the front of the lecture hall, and then looks up at you and points and says, you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I know. And then they hire you. Yeah. That's how I was told told I'd get hired. Oh, sure. So we didn't have a lot of options for schools, I guess, um, because our parents really like listened to what was being discussed on the grapevine. But what were our options Mm -hmm. for extracurriculars? I want to say none. I was a swimmer and a runner through most of high school. Yeah, I don't like water and or physical activity of any kind. I am very athletic, and I always have been. Um, But even then, I didn't have that many opportunities for... Okay, so I was invited to a swim gala, a competitive swim gala Mm -hmm. with my team um, to go to either Qatar or Oman. I don't remember. Um, And I was like one of the strongest swimmers on the team. It was a huge, massive part of my life. I was at practice twice a week. I was really dedicated. I watched my times. Like, I was a legitimate swimmer. And then when my mom saw that, like, there was going to be a trip to go swim, she was like, are you fucking insane thinking that you're going to travel anywhere? Absolutely not. Um, And then I I guess kind of realizing that I was limited in how competitive I could be in my sport really limited my dedication to it. That makes sense. I mean, it's hard. That's a tough thing. Yeah. Other things also happened. Like, I was bullied for participating in sports. I was called a boy, which I'm a cis woman. I I identify fairly comfortably um, at this point in my life as a woman. Um, but as a kid, being told constantly that you are not the gender you believe yourself to be is 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 very fucking confusing. Yeah, it's confusing and honestly super messy. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't have any extracurriculars um, or anything. I used to go home and read. I had things that I did on my own time and yes. in a way kind of preferred to do them privately because I just could not. I don't suffer fools gladly, even when I was a child. And you mm-hmm. can imagine how I, I dealt with people growing up because I would just be like, oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Um. So, mm-hmm. you know, I the, but the thing is, like, just to be clear, at school, there's not a lot 
The fact that Luna was able to run and swim is a big deal. Those were my two choices. Hang on. Um, There was a, no, it wasn't a volleyball team. It was lunchtime volleyball. My bad. Never mind. Exactly. But when we say extracurriculars, we mean like genuinely after school to have fun. That was not a thing for a lot of us. Okay. Can I just, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but Mike just literally walked in with a mug of coffee. Thank you, baby. So, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so really for extracurriculars, there was not much for you to do. You would just get your ass beat at school and then you would um, end up at home Mm. studying for tomorrow's tests if you were me or not, or not studying if you were nude. Um, Yeah. um, I would go to my swim practice twice a week. I would go to my swim competitions whenever they occurred. I went as far as Sharjah for a swim competition, but no further. Um, And then I quit swimming to quote unquote focus on my academics. But actually I quit swimming because my tits were fucking flotation devices. And I didn't And I didn't know how to talk about it to anyone. I didn't know how to be like, hi, my body is changing and I need changing techniques. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead, I was like, oh, well, there we go. I guess now that I have tits, I have to be a fucking girl, which means I can't do any sports. I guess I'm fucking out. I'll go focus on my academics. Peace. Bye. Um, Stupid in hindsight, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough. They don't teach us how to talk about our changing bodies. That's for sure. Yeah, um, at all. Okay, so what did, what did we do for fun, though? Because we didn't really have fun extracurriculars. So what what would you say we did for fun? I know what you're going to say. Uh, you guys came to my house, and then we went to the mall. Yep. So the pretty much the only thing that you could do as a group of girls was go to the mall. But as a group, because if you if it's just you and one friend, then you're both endangered. Yeah, you literally have to be in a group. We would be like three plus people. And very often we would have boys with us too. Uh, (laughs) Not in a romantic sense. No, never in a romantic sense. But also, did I ever tell you the story about when my mother received a phone call from a well-meaning parent? Yes, at the mall, right? Yeah. I was um, there. I was at the mall. I was at the mall. Um. And we all went downstairs to the basement bowling alley because everyone was like, it's a new extension to the mall. It's so much fun. Let's go there. Yeah, it sucked anyway. It sucked so much. It was dark. It was noisy. It was loud. I was miserable. I wanted out. I was feeling claustrophobic and I was starting to have an anxiety attack, mm-hmm. which at the time I didn't have words for. Yeah, of course. I just thought that I was getting, as my mom said, um, in my, you know, my bad place again, mm-hmm. which made it sound like I was like this problematic kind of shitty, can't deal with the world around me kid. Yeah. Again, this was so unintentional on my mom's part. She has been the literal biggest support system since I started my mental health journey. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is no shade to my mom. Yeah. Um, but like she didn't know what to do with a kid who was constantly freaking out. You know, Mm -hmm. like, what do you do with that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. They're not given the tools for that in the Middle East. No, they're not. Um, They're not. Uh, But anyways, so I got really anxious and I turned to some of my male friends Mm -hmm. and I said to them, 
could we please get out of here? So it was me and four male friends mm-hmm. who I will not name. Mm-hmm. And a friend's mom, who is also a mom's friend, my mom's friend, <laughs> um, saw me at the mall and kind of like I could tell from her face that she was surprised to see me with a group of boys. So I get home and I immediately, like, as soon as I get home, my dad picks me up. I get into the kitchen and I say, hey, mom. And she says, yes. I'm like, I need to tell you right now before you get a phone call. I left the big group and then it was just me and the boys for some time. And then someone saw me. So you're probably going to get a call telling you that you're a bad mother. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah, no, I already got that. Oh, my God. People are so freaking nosy. Mind your business. Stay in your lane. Oh, my God. Um, but no, to be fair, like my dad was like a known dude. And this is how it was always put to me is like, you're making your family look bad. Like, kid, we have no problem with you hanging out with boys. Hang out with whoever the hell you want. But people are looking in and being like, why are these people not raising their child? Yeah, Fasheltina. You failed us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Fasheltina. That's just exactly. the way it is. Yeah. Not because they personally had a problem with it, but because they had a problem with the way that they were per- perceived because of it. Yeah, I know. That's It's all about perception over there, or it was. Um, but yes, we did go because to the mall. we've been gone a long time. <laughs> yeah, we've been gone a long time, if you didn't know that. Um, we did go to the mall. We had a mm-hmm. cafe that we would always frequent, and we would sit on the couches and chit-chat with one another. And I actually liked that quite a lot. I loved it. Caribou Coffee was the first coffee shop that felt like a salon, you know? Yeah, and it was a very safe space for us because we would just mm-hmm. sit on those couches that were like against the right-hand side wall and yep. we would just talk to one another and it felt very adult in a way, right? Because we weren't messing around, we weren't like doing anything bad. We were just talking. Yeah. And I was um, that's very that's a very Shireen friendly activity. But the things we were talking about, I feel like we need to say they weren't considered necessarily appropriate topics for us. No, but, you know, it was because we were not being educated about the world around us. We took it upon ourselves to kind of just do it in a group, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I think we all taught each other. Everybody who was part of that friend group taught everybody else very important lessons. Yeah. And and you know what? Like and it was such a like it was such a fun like group. Like crushes would come and go. Like crushes were developed and lost at this coffee shop. Like oh it was Oh my God. Kate, crushes. Can we do an episode on fucking crushes? Yeah, we can. I mean I I of course I'm gonna end up exposing myself, but yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Um, I'm going to expose myself, too. So, um, boys from high school, if you want to listen in and see if either of us ever had a crush on you. The answer is probably no. And also... um, Probably yes from my end. At least briefly. I know. But also, they're going to (laughs) have to, like, play Sherlock Holmes to figure out if we're talking about them. (laughs) And, like... I feel That's like right. I feel we like that would be a lot of effort. It'd be a lot of effort. So okay, so um, let's see. I want to see because we're like running so long on time. Over, I know, I know, I know. I know so I, know, I, know, I, I know. wanna um, 
what can I say? What what do we want to talk about? I want to pick one more point. So how about how did we dress and present ourselves? Why don't we just end on that? I'm going to let you start. I have this problem to this day about being perceived in the real world in that I don't want people to perceive me ever. And this really roots from the way you are looked at as a young girl in the UAE, uh, circa 2000s. Mm -hmm. Um, And (laughs) so I used to dress very modestly um, and also Mm -hmm. like a little bit with a tomboyish flair, which is so funny if you look at me now. So funny. Um, You know, I always wore jeans. I never wore like skirts or dresses or whatever. There was a time in 12th grade where I started getting more into like the cute dresses and stuff. But that was um, even that was like towing a line, right? Because the dresses were like right at knee length. And I was like, really, I was like testing society with that. Yes. Um, Yes. Overall, I would try to cover up as much as possible. I wouldn't wear like any tight things. I was, um, even my dresses were very like, you know, like vintage triangle cut type thing or like a shift or something. So nothing tight. I just didn't want people to look at me ever. I actually remember a dress that you owned. And I think that you and I have a photograph together with you wearing it. It was a blue-gray shift dress with two black buttons on the top. Oh, yeah. And, and cap sleeves. Yeah. I loved that dress on you. I also loved that dress. So, unfortunately, it died in an accidental bleach accident. Rest in peace. No! I know. Rest in peace to that dress. I actually had to get rid of it, like, last year. I was devastated. So I'm so sorry. I know. But, you know, I did have like a a collection of dresses as I got a little older, but certainly nothing that revealed anything about me because I didn't want the kind of attention that I saw other people, i.e. you, getting. (laughs) Like, I don't mean to to say that in a bad way, but I genuinely could not have put up with what you put up with. Yes. uh, Yeah. So I have always kind of had a hard time escaping notice, partly because I have no problem being noticed. I tend to be quite loud and I take up quite a bit of space, which for much of my life was um, really problematic. And when I say I take up space, I don't necessarily mean physically. Um, I'm I'm an average-sized shoo-shoo. Can you help me out here? Yeah, no, she means she takes up space and that she's, you know, she's outspoken. She says what she wants. She makes her presence known in a room like she's not a wallflower by any means. No, and I never was. And I always felt like I should have been. Okay, I was a wallflower and it sucked. So. Right. But my mom would also be like, why can't you be more like Shirin? What, like, completely socially inept? What what exactly is she putting (laughs) out here? Uh, you know, respectful. You were respectful. respectful. Though. You you were you mm. you were respectful, but you you had opinions and you said them. I would say my opinions to you and just be quiet around everyone else because I didn't have the energy to fight like you did. You're a fighter. That's the thing, and I was constantly fighting. So much of it was fighting, and clothing was a big fight. My mom always dressed me. Um, And my mom, when I was a kid, dressed me as a legitimate princess. Like, all I had was baby ball gowns. There are photographs of me in literal baby ball gowns. Okay, that's cute. Um, (laughs) 
There's a pair of golden shoes that my mom still has from my first birthday. Every once in a while, she'll take them out and hand them to Mike and then, like, make eyes at us. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not. Anyway. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, But I dressed as I was allowed to. Mm. My mom always, like, I wasn't allowed to shop without my mom. I wasn't allowed to buy clothing without my mom. Um, She was always involved. And she bought my clothes, which, again, massive privilege. I didn't have to, like, go save up for new clothes. My mom would just buy them for me when it was time or when she felt like it. Because my mom is super into fashion. Yeah, she is. I hated everything my mom ever picked out for me. My mom liked bows. My mom liked lace. My mom liked white, pretty, frilly things. And I just wanted to wear some ripped fucking mesh, stick a safety pin in my ear, get some shit pierced, and fuck things up. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. I just want to say your mom would be really into my current wardrobe. Continue. She would love it. Yeah, I, she would love it. So the next time I visit, which hopefully is soon, I'm just gonna like have Please. to. I'm gonna have to pack all of my really good stuff so that your mom can be pleased, and so that when I leave, she can be <laughs> like, "Why can't you be more like Shireen?" <laughs> oh my god! Um, but yeah, so I wasn't allowed to show skin, and then kind of on a more practical note, it was very difficult to find clothing. Mm. Um, I am a double C booby. I have been a double C, a double D. It's a double D. They're giant. They're really large breasts. My back fucking hurts. Mm. Um, But like those things started coming in when I was 12 and they didn't stop. In fact, I don't think they've stopped. They won't stop. (laughs) Oh, my God. I know. But like finding T-shirts that didn't display cleavage was a near impossible task. Um, the, the variety of clothing we had also was a little bit limited. Yeah, we only had a few stores. Yeah. Now it's now it's different. That yeah, that is different. is different. But at the time, we only had a few stores, and um, mm-hmm. and you know, really, it's not like stores are sending over their full cool collections. Like if you wanted to get a little bit into that punk look, th- you would struggle to find those. So hard, yeah. So hard. I think what I ended up having as part of my punk wardrobe as a young one was just black jeans, um, T-shirts that were either red or black, um, things that had skulls on them, and one bracelet with spikes that my mother hated. Oh my god, I I remember that bracelet. I also remember all of your skull stuff. Thank you. This was what I this was all I had in the way of self-expression. And I was just constantly told that it wasn't appropriate for such a pretty girl, wasn't appropriate for such an intelligent girl, wasn't appropriate for such a well-raised girl. Yeah, really the point of this episode is that growing up in the UAE was bananas. <laughs> the restrictions we had just doesn't even they're not that's not real life like don't restrict your kids like this yeah we also couldn't go anywhere alone partly because there were no sidewalks at the time and partly because even if there were sidewalks it would be impossible to walk in 50 degree weather to wherever you needed to go which meant that someone's parents had to drive you somewhere, which meant that someone's parents knew exactly where you were. And if you deviated from where that parent knew you to be, there was shit 
to be dealt with. Also, I want to say um, RE clothing. What a lot of people mm-hmm. used to do, and I don't think you and I ever did this. I certainly did it because I'm a goody two-shoes. But I know that people would dress one way leaving the house and have an outfit in their purse or something and then change when we got yeah. to the mall. Yeah, absolutely never. I would never do anything like that because anything that I fucking wanted, I would fight for. And if I didn't win that fight, I would respectfully back the fuck away. Yeah, I mean, I never felt the need to do that. I kind of was just like, guess this is what we're wearing. And it's not like you and I weren't allowed to like show our legs or arms. So in a way, we had more freedom. But there were some people who like genuinely, I can think of one specific person and I'll text you about this later. But um, yeah, they you know, they actually would pack like secret, you know, more what they consider to be more attractive outfits. I legitimately didn't know that this happened. Oh my God. No, absolutely. It did. Oh my God. So, so, um, no, not us, not us. We wore what we wore. Um, no, but clothing was always a fight between my mom and I, every time I'd wear something, like I never left the house after putting clothes on one time. It was always uh, either your bra is the wrong color, your straps are showing, this is just an inch too short, this is, you know, your midriff is bared, if you're going to wear that shirt, you have to wear it with an undershirt, and it's already fucking hot, and I can't believe you're making me put a nylon layer against my skin under the cotton because a small line is showing on my chest. Yeah, um, and you know what? I remember a specific time at your house about a pair of white jeans and why you maybe didn't want to wear them that day. Because it was going to lead to a fight about how my cellulite could show through the white jeans? Or was it my underpants? Because I wasn't allowed to wear a thong, but I also wasn't allowed to have panty lines. Yeah, I... um excuse me for saying this, but I'm pretty sure it was that time of the month. And this turned into a big argument, and I was just sitting on your bed as I, w- as I tended to do, I guess. Yeah. You were on my bed for a lot of things that happened. Yeah, I just kind of sat there and was like, oh, well. Um, I remember at the time assuring your mom that if I saw anything untoward, I would warn you. And she believed that yeah. enough. And you were able to wear those white jeans. Thank you so much. To be fair, nothing happened. You know, there were there no. were no stains or spills. We were fine. We were totally fine. No, but like my mom didn't want me to wear them because there might have been a stain or spill, which, by the way, if you have a vagina that is bleeding, it is very possible that spillage will occur. Yeah, but the shame around the period, I want to have an episode about this, but the shame about yeah. around being on your period, like nobody. We'd actually, know. we'd actually like to have a guest on for our period episode. So we hope that they agree to join us. Absolutely. Because I really want to talk about rep- like uh, female reproductive. What? Okay. People with vaginas, their reproductive health. Um, yes. And um, possibly also invisible diseases surrounding those reproductive systems. You mean hemorrhaging cysts? Cysts? Um, I'm sh- I bet polycystic ovary syndrome, things that are invisible and I'm sure were heavily dismissed. Yes. I, it took me, after moving to Canada, it took me five years to get a diagnosis. Um, and before that, I had nothing. It was just, oh my God, it's a period. Relax. No, I know. And I remember that. And I remember I remember feeling like there was something wrong. Like there there was no reason for you to be in that level of pain compared to the I rest have of the us. pain tolerance of fucking Hercules. You literally do. Like I was crying, getting electrolysis on my upper lip. 
And I, as I was there, I was like, man, Nude would not even blink at this. You would be like, no, do my entire legs. I'm sitting here like sobbing. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I broke my tibial plateau and then walked home. So. Yeah. And she literally texted me like, yeah, I think I like sprayed. I was like, I think you broke something. And she's like, yeah, no, it's probably fine. Anyway, like four hours later, she's like, hey, I broke my tibia. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So that's the kind of pain tolerance I have. So when I say that my period is debilitating, like, please believe that it's debilitating. Yeah, 100%. You know? And honestly, we should we should start contacting um, the guests that we have in mind yes. to see if they are interested in being on because I think it's a good conversation to have. So exciting. Okay, um, I guess we can wrap this conversation up. Um, yeah. So that's what, that's what we have about living in the United Arab Emirates when we were there specifically. Um, <laughs> So thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it so much. Um, again, absolutely no sponsors yet. Um, but Soon, though. Soon, though, our music is by uh, an individual named Omar, and you can find him on Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R dot com. And his username is CH6K0R to get your own music made for your podcast or other um, media thing. Thank you, Ahmad. Thank you, Ahmad. Um, our episodes are produced by Noor's husband, Mike. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, baby. And this has been Don't Tell Baba, and we are signing off. And fam, don't tell Baba. Literally, don't tell Baba. Listen, <laughs> hide an alternative outfit in your bag. Don't tell Baba. <laughs> don't tell Baba. And wear it at the mall. <laughs> That's it. Don't tell Baba. Okay. All right. Love you, Shushu. Love you, Nude. Love you all. We love you guys. Bye. Bye.